You are listening to Press Church Podcast. Please enjoy this week's message. The title of my sermon today is a Christmas theme, and it's simply called Don't Be a Grinch. Don't be a Grinch. If you have somebody sitting next to you, look at them and tell them, don't be a Grinch. If you're sitting by yourself, say it to yourself. Don't be a Grinch. According to Wikipedia, the very first description of the Grinch that Dr. Seuss wrote about is the Grinch is depicted as a furry, pot-bellied, pear-shaped, snub-nosed creature with a cat-like face and a cynical personality. In full color adaptation, he is typically colored yellow-green, and he has spent the past 53 years living in seclusion on a cliff overlooking the town of Whoville. Don't be a Grinch. And the scripture that we want to highlight and talk about, we already said, was going to be found in Psalms 27. And it's going to be the first verse of Psalms 27. Psalms 27 verse 1 says, The Lord is my light. The Lord is my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And we're going to see in this story and in this passage that we need to receive illumination. We need to receive deliverance. And we need to receive power so that we don't end up like the dumb Grinch. The first part that I want to highlight is the Lord is my light. The Lord is my light. That you make it a priority like the Grinch to exit that cave and receive illumination. If you've ever read the story or seen the movie, The Grinch hides in a cave, and it says that he's hidden in this cave for over 50 years in this dark, dank cave. And as he's in this cave, he is left to his own thoughts. He's left to his own desires. He's left to his own thinking. And we all know that that is not a good place to be. And that we see here in the Scripture that David is speaking and says that the Lord is my light. And it's time for you to come out of your cave, come out of the seclusion of your own thoughts and desires and see that God wants to illuminate your life. In Isaiah chapter 49, verse 6, the prophet Isaiah is receiving uh, a, a prophecy from the Lord, and it's the Lord speaking to him, and he's writing down what the Lord is talking about, and he's talking about the coming Messiah. He's talking about Jesus. And indeed, he says in verse 6, it is too small a thing that you, being Jesus, should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. That's too small, that plan right there. I mean, it's a pretty big plan, God, but to to God, that's too small of a plan. Why? Because look at this. I will also give you... Jesus wants to get a gift to you as a light to the Gentiles, that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. God loves you so much that he gave. It's God's desire 
It's God's heart. It's what God is talking about the coming Messiah and what he's what his plan is for Jesus, and he's talking to the prophet Isaiah way before America has ever been found, way before you, me, in this town was ever born. He makes the statement that he's not only interested in just saving Israel, but he is making Jesus a gift to be the light to the Gentiles. And the reason he's doing that is because he wants his salvation to go to the ends of the earth, that anyone at any time can hear the gospel message and receive light in the darkest of moments, in the darkest of times, that that light could pierce through that and shine upon their lives and show them the goodness of God. Which the scripture says, it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. It's the goodness of God that leads people to the salvation, to see the error of their ways. The light illuminates the sin. The light illuminates the issue. The light illuminates what's going on around you so that you can overcome them. If you walk into a dark room and you start tripping over everything, what you should immediately do is turn on the light. And then you can see all the stumbling blocks that are there. Oh, well, there's the bed. There's the dresser. There's the closet. There's all my son's Legos that I just walked on. That the Lord is your light. And that he wants you to receive that illumination. That he doesn't want you to stay in darkness. He doesn't want you to be blinded. He doesn't want you to not be able to see. So therefore, he's come to give a gift and to explain to you that the Lord is my and yours delight. We see in Genesis chapter 15, we can tie this into Christmas the Lord being our light. Genesis chapter 15, verse 5, God is speaking to Abraham. This is tying into what we talked about last week when we talked about the blessing of Abraham. And he says, then he, being God, brought him, being Abram, outside and said, look now toward the heaven and count the stars. And if you're able to count them all or number them all, he said to them, so shall your descendants be. He brings Abraham out there, and he says, as many stars in the sky. We're out in the country. You can walk out on a nice clear day, a clear night, and see all the stars. When I lived in Dallas, we lived in the city. There weren't a lot of stars because all the lights blocked it out. But now here, out in the country, I can go walk on the back part of my property. Once it gets dark and I can look up, and you can see the stars, way more stars than you can count. We had a a bonfire, I guess it was a year, a year ago, two years ago, and there was a couple of us from the church that were all sitting out there, and we were just looking up there, and there's way more stuff moving up there than you would imagine. There's falling stars, there's satellites, there's planes. The government said that there's unidentified flying objects up there. There's just all these things that are moving and happening that you take time to look and count the stars, he tells Abraham. As many stars as there are. That's how many your descendants will be. And then we see in Romans chapter 8, verse 29, the Apostle Paul gets this revelation of who Jesus is. 
And he says, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he, being Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brethren. And Jesus talked about it as well um, in the Gospels where he talked about where if you, if you take a seed and you kill it and you plant it into the ground, then what's going to come up is many heads of grain or many different crops that happen. But first, you've got to plant one seed into the ground, and then you get many harvest. And Paul is saying here that the Lord, Jesus, is the firstborn of many brethren. Let's bring Abraham and Paul's revelation together in the story of Christmas in Matthew, I believe. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, verse 2, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. It is believed that this star, um, I believe it was last year where they talked about the star of Bethlehem reappeared in the sky we believe that there was this bright star that showed up on the time of Jesus' birth, and it was brighter than all of the stars. It lit up the sky because it was so bright, and it was right over where Jesus was. And the men of the east, the wise men, were traveling. It was such a bright star. It was such a noticeable star. It was such a different and unique star that they started following it to figure out where and why it was there. And isn't it interesting if we tie in Abraham's word from God where he says, as much as you can see in the sky is going to be your descendants. And the day that Jesus is born, that promise, that covenant in the sky where there's all these stars showing and reminding Abraham of all of his descendants that on the day that Jesus is born, there is the brightest of stars showing up. In that exact moment, the most important star, the most important descendant of Abraham, his promise is still coming true to this day because the Lord is your light. That you need to come out of that cave. Don't be like the Grinch and just stay in that cave of your own thoughts, that the, the cave of your own sin, the cave of darkness. You need to come out of that cave and receive illumination. Because the Lord wants to shine on you today. He doesn't want to shine on you just to convict you and show you how bad of a person you are. He wants to shine on you because He wants you to improve. He wants your life to be great and life more abundantly. Receive illumination. The second part we see in this scripture of Psalms 27, verse 1, the Lord is my light. Receive illumination. The Lord is my salvation. We need to receive deliverance. Receive deliverance. We need to change our mind about Christmas like the Grinch did. If you've read the story, you know that he gets tired of dealing and hearing the people of Whoville and how excited they are. We all have that friend that loves Christmas so much that turns into a chihuahua dog on December 1st. Luckily for me, I'm married to one of those. As you can see, come to my house and you'll see something similar. 
Now, as soon as Christmas happens, we've got to have Christmas music, and we've got to have presents, and we've got to have trees and trees and trees and more trees. And when we go to Hobby Lobby, we've got to buy all the stuff, and we've got to put all the ornaments on the tree. And as much as I'm preaching to you about not being a Grinch, I'm preaching to myself because I am the Grinch of the land household. And I say, do we need another tree in the house? Do we need more garland around whatever? And the answer is always yes. We always need more. I said, well, we need more attic space is what we need. And he gets tired and he makes a decision that he's done with Christmas. He doesn't like it. And he's going to go and destroy Christmas because he has a misunderstanding of what it truly is. And because of his thought process, because that he's allowed himself to go so far in his own thoughts, and he's been wounded, and he's been hurt by different people, he decides that he's going to destroy. And he goes into the houses, and he steals all of the Christmas stuff, takes all the presents, takes all the fun, takes all the joy, takes everything that he can, puts it on his sled with his little tiny dog, Max, and they sneak out of the building. But he had a change of heart. He had a change of mind. And if you've heard the story, it talks about how his heart grows bigger. And he needed deliverance from the old mindset. He needed deliverance from the old ways, his old thinking, his stinking thinking, his stupid thinking. He needed to have an encounter just like us. When it says in Psalms 27, the Lord is my salvation. And one of the definitions in Hebrew for salvation is deliverance. That we need to be delivered from our old thinking. We need to be delivered from the worries that we deal with. We need to be delivered from the frustrations that take us down. That we feel like in our lives we take two steps forward and then something happens and it feels like life just pulls us back down. We need to be delivered from that. In Habakkuk, we're going deep in the Old Testament today. Habakkuk, verse 3, I mean, chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. Look at this passage in verse 17. It's so encouraging. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, Though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flocks may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herds in the stalls, that right there, can we agree, sounds like a frustrating time in someone's life. Remember, back in the day, they didn't have a grocery store they could go to. They weren't working in an office that crops, much like here, is their lifeline. Not only for their finances, but also for their food, also for their shelter, also for their clothes. And they're having what seems to be a full-blown meltdown in their lives that they could go back and revert to their previous thinking. Well, God doesn't care about me. God doesn't love me. God doesn't even know I'm here. I've prayed and I've got no answer. But look at his response in verse 18. Yet, which means we've got a a preposition there, even though all of these things have happened, he's made the decision, yet I will, making a choice, 
I will rejoice in the Lord. And that's not good enough, so he's going he's gonna to double down. He's going to make a, another choice. I will joy in the God of my salvation, in the God of my deliverance. Even though all of these things are happening, even though I don't like everything that's happening in my life, I will choose to joy in the God of my deliverance. I've got to change my mind about Christmas. I'm not going to be a Grinch and just let it stir over and over and over about how much I hate Christmas, how much this season that I'm in is frustrating. That for 53 years, the Grinch stayed up in his mountain, his dark cave, and every year Christmas came around and he just got mad and he just got frustrated and he just kept stewing and stewing and stewing. And then he made the decision, which wasn't the right one, to go and destroy what's made him the maddest, what's frustrated him the most. We know that the Scripture says that the wages of sin is death. Power and death is in the, life and death is in the power of the tongue, and you're going to eat the fruit of it. There is power in your tongue and if we keep speaking death, if we speak, keep speaking negativity, then all we're going to see is negativity. All we're going to see is the nastiness of life. We've been traveling a bunch, going to Dallas, going to Louisiana and all these things, and we've been in the car with the kids and to try and keep the kids from just staring at the screens for 12 and 15 hours. We tried to play some games with them. And how many of you have ever played the game I Spy? And we say, I spy with my little eyes something gray, because our seats are gray, and that's what my son says. And it's like, oh, it's the seats. And, uh, and then that's all we have in the car, so it's just I spy something gray again. Or my son would say, I spy something red, and then by the time we don't figure it out, he said, oh, well, there was a sign about two miles back that I saw. And I was like, I don't, that's not the way the game's played. How was I? But the focus is whenever I say I spy something red, even when I say that now, all you can see is red. It's what you're looking at. It's what your eyes are diverted to. I spy something green. I'm looking at everything that's green because that's what I'm saying and that's what's focusing me on that. It's time in our lives that we say, I spy some healing in my life. Instead of looking at sickness, instead of looking at disease, instead of looking at that, I spy healing in my life. I spy salvation in my life. I spy deliverance in my life. I'm not looking at the things that are holding me back. I'm not looking at, well, the devil's just attacking again. No, no, no. I spy with my little eyes deliverance in my life. I'm not going to deal with those chains anymore. My chains are gone. My heart's been set free because God is on my side. He's illuminated those things, and therefore I receive and walk in deliverance. Ephesians chapter 4. Verses 20 through 24, this is a scripture that we talked about last month in a sermon that I titled, Put On, if you remember that one. This is a scripture that we talked about. But you, Paul writing to the church of Ephesus, but you have not so learned Christ. 
If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Look at that statement right there. The truth is in Jesus. It's not in social media. It's not in the government. It's not in the textbooks. The truth is in Jesus, and we know that Jesus is the Word. The Word became flesh, and after it became flesh, it became paper, and we can read that Word, and it, def- it, does- it-, it-, it divides. It's living and breathing and active, it says, and it divides with a two-edged sword, spirit and soul. Truth is in Jesus And if you know the truth, it says that truth, deliverance, will set you free. Verse 22 says that you put off, remember from our sermon last month, you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man. The Grinch had to put off his hatred for Christmas, put on the new man, receive deliverance, the old man, which grows corrupt. So in the old man, something is growing. It's not good. It's ugly. Corruption. And how's it growing? What's it being fed by? What's being watered? Your old man being watered according to deceitful lust. Well, nobody wants that. That sounds pretty gross. An old man is corrupt and lustful. We don't want any of that. But look at verse 23. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. How do I go from the old man to the new man? It starts with this transition of being renewed in the spirit of your mind. We've got to change our thinking. We've got to let the illumination of God shine in our lives, shine in our mind, shine in our emotions. Why am I feeling this way? Why am I angry? Why am I frustrated? Why am I sad? Why am I depressed? Why am I worried? I've got to, I've got to figure that out. I'm going to let the truth illuminate and shine on me, so therefore deliverance can come. Salvation can come and remove that old thinking. Look at verse 24, and that you put on the new man. Why should I put on the new man? Which was created according to God. Remember, the old man was growing with the lust and corruption. Now in this new man, there is true righteousness and holiness. That I'm making this choice in my life to not go back to the old ways. Even if yesterday I made the mistake. Even if me and my spouse got in a fight yesterday, even if I did something stupid yesterday, even I succumbed to the same sin that I've been struggling. No, no, no. Today's a new day. His mercies are new every morning. I'm not going to be the same person that I was yesterday. I'm not going to be the same person that I was January 1st, 2021, when I step into January 1st, 2022. I'm putting off the old man constantly. I'm putting him off. I don't like, about, I don't like this about me. I don't like that about me. God, help me. Illuminate and show me how I can change this about me. Bring deliverance and salvation to me so I can see and change from what I used to be to who you want me to be. You've got to change your mind about Christmas. You've got to receive deliverance. And the last thing as we finish up, Psalms 27 verse 1, the Lord is my light, receive illumination. The Lord is my salvation, receive deliverance. Whom shall I fear? The last one, the Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Receive power. Receive power. 
If you've seen the Jim Carrey version of The Grinch, after he steals all of the toys, he steals all the trees, he steals all of Christmas, and he brings it to the edge of the mountain peak that he lives on, and he was going to throw it off the cliff, he hears something. He hears something from far away, and he starts listening, and he sees the people of Whoville as they're singing together. You've seen the video. You've read the book, which changes his heart and shows him that it's not about presents. It's not about material things when it comes to Christmas. That even though he took all the material things away, there was something else that they still had joy in. They still were singing. They were still celebrating. There was something else about Christmas that he had to learn. And he was about to push this sled full of stuff off. But he grabs the sled. And in the movie, it says that he picks up the sled over his head, pulls it off of the edge of the mountain to bring it back down to the city of Whoville so that they can celebrate Christmas. And you might feel like your life is on the edge of the cliff. You might feel like you're about to teeter over, fall over, but God wants to give you power. God wants to pick you up. God wants to, to take you from that moment of you being about to fall, feeling like there's no hope, there's, there's no opportunity for change to happen, and He wants to give you power, and He wants to pick you up and move you off of that spot. He doesn't want you to stay there teetering on the edge of, am I going to make it? Am I going to survive? Is this going to break my marriage? Is this going to break my kids? Is this going to break me mentally? Is this going to break my heart? Is this going to do this? No, no, no. He wants to give you power, and you need to receive the power so that you can walk away from that cliff. Psalms chapter 40 Verse 2 says, He, being God, also brought me up out of a horrible pit. A dark, dirty, isolated pit. He brought me out of the miry clay. Clay, we know, can be sticky and dirty and disgusting. And what did He do? He set my feet upon the rock. We now know in the Scriptures that the rock is the chief cornerstone, Jesus Himself. And because He set me on that rock, it established my steps. That I wasn't walking all these different ways. I wasn't weak in the knees. I wasn't struggling. He gave me the power when He set me on that rock of Jesus. And He established my steps to go in the right direction. The last Scripture I have is Nahum chapter 1 verse 7. Told you we were staying in the Old Testament a whole bunch today. Nahum chapter 1, verse 7. Scripture that, at least part of the Scripture, you can learn very easily. You can walk out today saying you memorized at least part of a Scripture. Nahum chapter 1, verse 7, the first part of it says, The Lord is good. The Lord is good. He's good. Other Scripture says that His mercies endure forever. The Lord is good. There's nothing else that you learn or remember today. I ask and I beg of you that you remember that the Lord is good. A stronghold in the day of trouble, and He knows those who trust in Him. 
All you have to do is put your trust in Him. All you have to do is believe Him. If you feel like God's far away from you, if you question, does God care? Does God even know who I am? It says that the moment you trust Him, the moment that you believe in Him, the moment you put faith in Him, it says He knows you. He knows you. He knows you today. He knows where you're at. He knows what's going on in your life. And He's not just knowing those things to laugh at you. Well, look at the mess she's in. Look at what he did. I can't believe. Hey, angels, come over here. Let's laugh at this guy. I mean, he'll go to heaven. He's saved. But boy, he made some dumb mistakes. No, no, no. He knows you because he wants to help you because the Lord is good. And any time that you're in trouble, there is a stronghold that he is ready and willing to open up to protect you, to give you power, to give you protection to give you salvation, to give you deliverance. The Lord is good. And no matter what you're going through today, instead of running away from God, run toward Him. Because the more you run toward Him, the more of a stronghold He is. The more mercy and peace and power and grace is He going to give you to help you get through whatever it is. And the more you lean into Him, the more you trust Him, the more he knows you because you're having conversations with him. God, I know this situation looks bad. I know I'm struggling in my mind. I know I'm struggling in my body. But God, you're the healer. You're the provider. You're my salvation. You're the one who is going to help me. He says, I know. You trust me. I trust you. I'm going to help you. The Lord is good. Not bad. The Lord is good. So don't be a Grinch this holiday season. Like the Grinch, come out of that cave and receive illumination. Like the Grinch, you need to change your mind about Christmas and receive deliverance. And lastly, you need to pick up the sled and receive power. The Lord is your light. The Lord is your salvation. So there's no reason for you to fear. The Lord is your strength of your life. There's no reason for you to be afraid. Don't be a Grinch this year. Amen. Let's stand up as we get ready to head out. Father, we thank you that your word is life-breathing. Your word is powerful, that you sent your word and it healed us of all disease and all destruction. Father, I thank you that your word will not return void, but it will accomplish exactly what it's supposed to do in our lives. Father, I thank you that you made the choice to be our light. You made the choice to be our salvation. You made the choice to be the strength of our life, and we lean into that today. No matter what's going on in these individual lives, you know their situations, and you know what they're going through. And Father, today, we choose to believe that you are good. We choose to believe to not run away from you, but run to you because you're our strong tower in times of trouble. And Father, we believe that you are on our side. You're going to protect us. You're going to be with us. You're going to provide for us. Father, I thank you that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Every tongue, every tongue, even our own tongue that rises against us, it says in your word that we can condemn it. And Father, even if we've said some stupid things over the last couple days, couple months, or couple years, Father, even if we said some dumb things, it says in your word that we can condemn those things. 
whatever seeds have been sown that aren't your harvest, Father, we condemn those harvests right now. If there are bad words that I have said and bad seeds that I have sown, Father, I pray for a crop failure right now. That I don't reap what I have sown in regards to my mind, in regards to my words, in regards to the dumb things that I said out of frustration. But Father, today I pray that we receive your light. We receive illumination. You open our eyes and show us the dark parts of our hearts, our minds, our souls, our bodies. Not just to condemn us, but so that we can receive deliverance. That we can receive salvation in those areas of life. And that, Father, we can also receive your strength, your power for our lives to help us set our feet on the rock, the chief cornerstone, Jesus, and that you establish our steps going forward. 2022 is not going to be the same as 2021. No matter how good, bad, or ugly 2021 was, 2022 is going to be the best year that I've ever had. 2022 is going to be the best year that Press Church has ever had. 2022 is going to be the best year this community has ever had. 2022 is going to be the best year that each and every person a part of this congregation has ever had because we will see miracles, signs, and wonders, and your hands move on our behalf. Father, I thank you that everyone here has the mind of Christ. Everyone here is called by you. Everyone here has a purpose to serve in this church. Everyone here has been given the gift of salvation, the gift of healing, the gift of prosperity, the gift of blessing. Everyone here has been given the gift of favor that follows them like a shield. Father, I thank you that we are the salt and light of the earth, the city set on a hill that refuses to be hidden. We will not only receive the gifts that you've given us, but we will go out and share the gifts that you have placed inside of us. Father, use us this month to bless people, to speak into people's lives, to invite people to church, to encourage people to let go of the old man and put on the new man that shows us how to be truly righteous and truly holy. Now, Father, bless your people, protect your people, cause them to prosper in everything they do, and bring them back safely next Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you next Sunday. Take care, family. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.